0: I'm not trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Oh, yes, you are. Well, I, I mean,
1: he, he can't always tries to be the smartest. He just is the smartest
2: guy well, in the room. he's the educated Jim, one. Jim, when I'm in a room <laughs> yeah. with
1: you and Nick, it's not hard no. to be the smartest guy <laughs> no. in the room. But you don't have 41 years of wisdom packed under your hair loss. <laughs> <laughs> <But> anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Making Chips. Hey, you guys. Here we are.
2: I'm TS. You bet. The last day. The I have, I have day. one day left in my voice.
0: Well, there is a Saturday, but it's a little bit more reserved for the students. The last day of our obligations there to, you go. to yes. record on
2: stage and, and be here talking constantly. And yeah, my I'm, voice wouldn't be able to handle Saturday. Gonna anyway. bring, you're going to still bring it at two o'clock though, right? Oh yeah, but okay, I, th- I think my good. voice might be cracking the yeah, whole you, time you, and everyone you, will you know to
0: show up for yeah. that one. But. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be sleeping the whole time. So you got, you're got you going to have to you know like bring it. So you know what?
1: It's been a lot of parties. It's been a lot of dinners this oh, week. And every night. I I'm so tired of it. Well, yeah. it, it is much, but yeah. I was just telling... I've had so much
0: fun, but it's exhausting. I've yeah. been
1: telling people this week that I am getting the same emotion that I had back in 1976 when I was coming with my dad to the show. Sensory overload. I was just being born that year, Jim, so I, know, I can't quite I know. get
0: as excited as what? you, but I do get excited with each and every IMTS that comes, and this is no different.
1: Right. I mean, there's just so much here. It's so big. It's so over the top.
0: And Nick was still a twinkle in his parents' eyes. (laughs)
2: Oh. That's where I started. I always wondered.
0: (laughs) God knew you, but in your parents' eyes, you were just a twinkle. (laughs) Before we move on
1: and talk about this great manufacturing success story from our two guests today. Yeah at their booth at IMTS. I just want to hear from you guys. What is the number one thing that is you had an aha moment or something you saw here at McCormick Place this week that really got you excited or gave you goosebumps? I've got one if you don't mind. Go ahead, start. So
0: to me, it's just the camaraderie and the power that that brings to transforming a manufacturing business. It's just the people. So I had a little party last night and... My wife was there. It was really small. It was at like a bar. We we had like 30 or 40 people, just like uh, vendors and stuff like that. And a couple of the guests that I had were, they went up to my wife and they were like, you know, I cared about you. I'm making chips (laughs) every time my wife's like, Oh gosh, I can't believe that. But both of them just told her stories about just how transformational the friendship has been between the two of us and how that has helped their business just through connectedness and suggestions and say connecting. Somebody with ProShop, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or connecting them with Amper, or just, hey, I'm going to connect you with my applications guy and he's going to help you with that job, or I'm going to help you connect you with this other manufacturing leader. I think he does what you want to try to accomplish. And just that camaraderie and that friendship and that connectedness that I've been a part of is just amazing to hear about and amazing to hear those testimonials. And, sure. and it's alive and well here at IMTS. And I just get goosebumps thinking about it. So yeah. mine's
2: pretty similar, it's the common thread. So, so many family businesses here. You were talking about someone you met from Boston who had just an unbelievable story. Yes. And you were like, gosh, we just relate so much, you know? And then anyone who's a manufacturer, a product manufacturer, an OEM, there's so many details where it's like, okay, that's just like my life. Like the people we went out with last night, their founder was a machine designer. He had three sons and one daughter who, who is the second generation. Right. They've broken into different business units and now the third generation's taking over. No, so really? my company, right? Our yeah, founder was like a yours, machine Nick. designer. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Three sons, one daughter, all these different business units. And they're from Belgium. We're from Germany. It was just really cool. There's just so much of a common thread wherever yeah. you go. So. Yeah.
0: And I'm not trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Oh, yes, you are.
2: Well, I, I mean, he, he can't always help
0: always tries to be the smartest. He just
2: is the smartest
0: guy well, in the room.
1: Well, he's the educated Jim, one. When I'm in a room <laughs> yeah. with you and Nick, it's not hard no. to be the smartest guy <laughs> no. in the room. But, but but you don't have 41 years of wisdom packed under your hair loss. <laughs> <laughs> but, <anyway. laughs> but I taught, you know, the whole notion of you don't
0: want to be the smartest guy. You want to hire the smartest people. Right. I totally heard that. I just want to connect the smartest people together, and just the people that are going to make a transformation. Where they're like, okay, well, that started with Jason Zenger. He connected me with this person, and it's not like he had something brilliant to say, but he connected me with the brilliant person. But at the end of amazing. the
2: day, you do get all the credit. Yeah, it originated with Jason Zenger. I know the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have an episode. Maybe a year from now, we'll have an episode
0: <laughs> without Jim. Oh, the trials <laughs> of being know. the smartest guy in the room. <laughs>
1: How about you, Jim? I'll throw it back at you. No, I agree. I think that it's been four long years since we've all been able to come together and just talk shop and talk business and talk strategy and innovation and technology And I think we really, as humans, we really need to keep doing that more and more and more. Mm -hmm.
2: I said it on stage, but this concept that like trade shows, are dying or going. I don't think it's
0: true. I didn't feel that. No way. No
1: No way.
2: way. We got three things here. We got hardware, software, and then humans. Yes,
0: exactly. the humans
1: are the most important. Absolutely. You can't take that away ever, ever. Yep. But before we introduce our guest, you know, as we normally do, I've got a little bit of manufacturing news. It is from Reuters, and they're saying that U.S. manufacturing in August tweaked up a little bit. Go figure. Yeah, it's great. So like you're talking from August over July or from August to August? No, no, no. From July to August. Oh, good. Tweaked up. That's great. Yeah, it went up 0.1%, but still at the end of the day, it's still... It's more. Right. It's not down. And quite frankly, based on what I'm seeing here this week manufacturing is alive and well, there are no signs of a recession in There's a lot of machines getting sold out There's here. a lot of machines getting sold.
0: Well, that's really refreshing to hear it because is. there's this whole talk about recessions coming or recession is here. Yes. But I'm in manufacturing. And if it's not happening here, that makes me feel better. You know what I mean? Then we can draw some of those other people that have maybe been let go from another business.
2: We talked about that a few episodes ago. Like this might be one of those recessions where manufacturing doesn't feel exactly. it as much because there's such an impetus for reshoring. Yes. And... Yeah, localizing the source. So, have hope, manufacturing leaders. You, you don't have to worry about it.
1: Just had to mention that. Like to keep everybody in the loop and what's actually I happening. I always want to
2: know okay, after a huge show like this, what's the impact in the macroeconomic manufacturing situation? You mean what does IMTS contribute to GDP? Yeah, I guess. Is that what you're asking? Or just like to, to our industry's <laughs> okay. growth? You know, obviously there's some impact. Let's ask the show
1: boss sometime. Yeah, we should. Anyway. Let's move on. I'm really excited to tell this story. This Yeah. Can I introduce our guest, Jim? Yes, I want you to. Okay. But it's really a unique manufacturing success story dating back decades. So go right ahead. Yeah. So
0: I feel like we've got a couple of dichotomies here. We've got the beauty and the brains. We've got the baritone and the tenor. So we're gonna put a full like orchestra <laughs> together, whatever oh, you want to oh, have man. here. So <laughs> I'm not gonna put much of an introduction to our first guest. Now he's gonna be a poet, <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. You know what, Jim? I actually took several poetry classes in college. Wait, that, next to engineering, that was like poetry, engineering, and photography. That's Part of how you become the smartest guy in the room, I guess you so. Know, yeah, yeah. No, I really like. I way. really like that. Yeah. I mean, okay. Anyway, I'm digressing. So Paul Van Meter, no stranger to making chips. We really don't even have to introduce him. He's the baritone, and he is one of the founders of Pro Shop. And you're the face, you're the beauty. Is that okay to
2: say, Paul? <laughs> uh, face, maybe. I but we're go gonna to get look. we're gonna get to the, I see him shaking his head like, don't <laughs> call me that ever again. We're gonna, <laughs> it makes me very we're gonna get to the brains.
0: But if you don't mind, I mean, since you know him better than any of us do, could you introduce our next guest? Absolutely, the brains of Pro Shop.
4: <laughs> yes, and since he is in the room here with us. None of the rest of us can claim to be the smartest because I have been incredibly lucky and blessed to have Kelsey in my life for 29 years. Wow. And, awesome. Uh, so I didn't even we'll, think we'll, you were that
0: old. Yeah. No, I'm kidding.
4: <laughs> we were four. It was preschool, um, <laughs> but no, it was in college. But yeah, so we'll, and I'm so glad to have him finally on a show with us. I've been wanting to do this for a long, long time.
1: Yeah. We have to get to IMTS uh, to
4: do that, We right. had to get to IMTS. So, uh, so yeah, we'll get into the background, but yeah, Kelsey, why don't you introduce yourself?
5: Thanks, buddy. You know, uh, when you say 29 years, I think to myself, I guess we really are 29 years older than all that. uh, I'm going to
0: put the numbers together. So 29 plus 18. So 39, 72,
5: right? Yeah. You got it on the numbers. (laughs) Wait, he is the smarter guy. I guess I am second smartest. (laughs) You know, it's amazing that not only has it been 29 years, but in some ways it feels like it's been five because we've had such an amazing run together. Uh, and I say run like it's over, but it's totally not. We are on 29 years and maybe the next 29 are going to be just as exciting. Yeah. Paul and I met in college on our first class together and it was kind of obvious that we were a fit together. What uh, class was it? <laughs> I was just, that was my thought. Yeah. <laughs> it was like our entry level. Engineering class, the whole point was we were trying to tear down a motorcycle engine and build it back up again from scratch, and it had to run at the end. That was like the main criteria of the that whole That was your lab. first <laughs>
0: engineering class? Yeah. And that's so cool. So I'm a chemical engineer, by education and i did not do anything that cool so i wish i would have gone into mechanical
5: <laughs> well chemical engineer you should have blown something up on your first i know uh, i know come on your
0: first lab class i know like... <laughs> i know i should have gone into mechanical i assume that's what you guys were studying we were
5: in automotive engineering oh automotive engineering yeah, nice yeah okay, okay. so, so it's
0: like a derivative of mechanical i would assume yeah or, or like yeah. a
5: hybrid of a couple different yeah. I mean, the program we were in was amazing. We were actually able to build cars. Like yeah. that was oh, cool. the whole point. Yeah. And we built several in our college career yeah. together. It was incredible. Everything from hybrid electric cars to little single seat race cars. You knew
0: hybrids 29 years ago?
5: Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, I know. That's Who cool. knew that there were hybrids running around? Right. And they were all the crazy stuff we have now. Like yeah. uh, both IC and electric and solar panels on the roof. And Yeah. yeah. And we were in the lab at two in the morning, like scraping things out to try and figure out how to put it all together. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. sounds so cool.
2: Yeah. Who would have thought at that time that this industry would be so driven toward EV? Yeah. All the machines here are, are changing how they're designed and built all around that push. But well,
1: let's go back. In freshman year in college, when you guys met, you really didn't even know what manufacturing was, right? I mean, you had a clue because it, did either of your family members come from manufacturing?
4: No, not at all. Not at My all. My dad was a college professor. My mom worked in healthcare and I didn't know anything about manufacturing. I knew I loved cars. Right. And I found this program through a car magazine. And actually, Kelsey's uncle was the director of that program. Which oh, is, is that why, right? Which oh. is why he went there. But yeah, we fell in love with machining in this program. And that's why we decided to start a machine shop together right out of college.
0: Great. Right. So it was literally the summer after graduation? Yeah, yes. Tell us that yeah. story,
5: Kelsey. It, was it just the two of you? No, no, no. So part of the beauty of this one is that we, through the process of building these cars, which was our manufacturing experience through college, was machining. And we were machining bulkhead type hog outs and stuff, kind of aerospace style that wasn't really being done in the program we were running in. So Formula SAE, if you've never heard of it, it's like these little single seat race cars and everybody makes these welded steel chassis mm-hmm. and we were like "Nah, we can do it like aerospace we had all this aluminum kicking around yeah because boeing was giving us free aluminum you nice. know and we we're like we can make something totally different so we built this car from cnc machine bulkheads and carbon fiber tubes and we were machining our own brakes it was the whole and what thing what
1: kind of cnc ahas oh yeah ahas vf Two. two, okay, yeah. Yeah.
5: but that baby was a '93, which was you
0: know, oh, a
1: 1993 VF yeah. two. Oh yeah, okay. did, you,
5: did you have a VF one, gym at some point
1: in time? No, we had Fidel's in the okay oh, oh, first <laughs>
5: back
0: then. Yeah.
1: yeah.
5: So that really got us into the machining side. And from there, we decided, you know what? We should start a machine shop because that'll finance our automotive interests. A couple of years so of being a machine hobby. shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we should be able to start producing cars. I'm pretty sure we'll have free oh, cash you actually flow. actually wanted to start and, a, a car yeah, company. Like a limited production automotive company. We can make like, like 50, a 100 or cars a year. Like It'll be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: you're kidding. I never, oh, no, I never that knew that. That was the
5: dream. Yeah. And we yeah, were. Yeah. We were 22. What did we know about manufacturing companies? You were thinking big, right? So they
2: were going to be custom specialized cars for for like what type of market were they going to be for? Very, very rich people.
5: (laughs) (laughs) We were supposed to be like beautiful on the outside and beautiful on the inside, which means show all the details, show the machine components. Don't put it all under cover. Don't put it under like, oh, you open up the hood and what you see is the second hood. You see a lot of that. Sure, sure. No, no. We wanted to be like... How about we make a plexiglass hood? Because then you can see all the cool parts oh, underneath. Neat. Cool, Interesting. very cool. Interesting. Big dreams, and yeah. you know what? It turned out that it was a little harder to <laughs> yeah. run a manufacturing company, especially a machine. Would the shop. doors
0: be clear too? <laughs> so that I can, you can like, see my legs. I can drive in my underwear,
2: and like <laughs> <you> can...
5: <laughs> that's only on Zoom calls. <laughs> you're supposed to do that. <laughs> that's right. Not right. that a
2: version of your car. <laughs> so it was a tough market to get into, and and really succeed. Yeah, we with.
5: started out as like extreme prototyping, right? I mean. Yeah we didn't have any Boeing contracts, but we knew people and we had a lot of contacts from our days at university. And so we started doing a lot of prototypes and like it was originally just a few of us. We actually started the company with six of us out Mm -hmm. of college. We were all the team that took that formula car all the way to fourth place. So it was a great team. We knew it was something we could work with. We liked everybody. And so we started with six guys, one Haas VF4 and a little 2,000 square foot facility and the dog, of course, we brought her to the shop. So <laughs> so was the goal
0: you take these six. It's like, how many people can I bring into the company who are not going to take a paycheck
5: in order to, you know, get this thing done? How down? did that you know? Goal? Were you there? <laughs> oh, my God. The first years, it's like, I remember when we got our first, it was like, we could pay ourselves each 500 bucks this oh, month oh, great. <laughs> after like <laughs> yeah. nine months of zero, 500 bucks seemed like a lot. Where did you was get like, that? Wow. What was the first sale? Like just, oh, we had sales in. I don't know. You know, the one I remember most was these crazy little Delrin pieces for actually, it was for a fuel cell, a hydrogen fuel cell. And it okay. was like one of our super early contracts. I don't know. What was your first memory of?
4: <laughs> yeah, my first project that I remember really well because we put a picture of it on our brochure was a snowshoe oh, yeah. mold. So, is this cool hog out aluminum mold for doing composite snowshoes? Mm, awesome. awesome. I think we charged 5000 for that job. And I was like, Are you kidding me? We They're can charge $5,000? 5, $5, <laughs> yes. That's like more money than I've ever imagined in my life. And then you, <laughs> then you find out at the end of the month, it costs you seven. Like, Pretty oh, much. man. Yep. Yes, <laughs> <of course. laughs> was it a good job? <laughs> I'm sure it took us way longer than we quoted. Okay. How did you
1: track your time?
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll get <laughs> on, to that in a minute. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> that's yeah. the lead up. And anyway. Yeah, humble beginnings, you know, and it's funny a few years later, it's like we're doing fifty thousand dollar jobs and then we get contracts for five hundred thousand dollars and just the scale just changes over the years. That, it but, really uh, does. Yeah. Yeah. Fun, fun times.
1: So move us forward. So you're doing this custom work. Yep. And you're starting to get some horsepower.
4: Did you ever work on you. the car? Or did you just get so involved in running parts? We did a little design work in CAD and CAM here and there, but quite honestly, we were so tired at the end of 12 hour days running our machine shop that we just never got off the ground. And it was just so much more intensive to run a shop than we ever imagined. Yeah. Yes. And you were no making kidding. money,
0: I assume, eventually.
4: And yes, so you're like, certainly, why make the car? We're, this is going well. And we still haven't given up on that. Maybe oh, really? Someday I, I was just going to ask. It okay, might, might uh, still be in the background. Maybe a little maybe we can, bit more of a hobby thing. But Maybe we can we, get a bunch of
0: manufacturing leaders. We can invest in this new car company. I think it still has legs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a blast.
4: Or still has wheels. So yeah. So moving on a few years, we started our shop in 97. Okay. And about three years in, we had about a dozen employees, maybe four, four or five machines, I can't remember exactly. And we were running on spreadsheets. And Kelsey was a wizard at visual basic macros. We'd make a new order, click a button, they would spawn new workbooks and mm-hmm. new things to track all that stuff. And of course, having come straight out of college, never having worked in industry, we didn't know what ERP was. We didn't know what was traditional in the way that people manage their shops. We just kind of did what seemed to make sense to us. And so on these spreadsheets, we would have special sheets, and I give Kelsey full credit for all this, for, you know, one for managing our cutting tools, a different tab for managing our inspection reports, a different tab for work instructions and your offsets.
1: Mm-hmm. He was and, probably uh, an expert at spreadsheets. Yes, he was. Right? Uh, he, he knew those functions
4: at night. Kelsey's an expert at anything he thinks about. Okay. <laughs> But we're like, this is getting out of hand. It's like, can you close the spreadsheet so I can open the spreadsheet? You know, and we had oh, oh. this was back in the days of big huge CRT monitors which we had at each machine. Right. <laughs> which cost like a thousand dollars a piece. Right. Yeah. So we're like, we need some software. We can't use these keep using these spreadsheets. So we pulled down the big Thomas register.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. The big green books. The oh, big green books up high
4: on the shelf in yeah. the office. And we started leafing through ERP software. And started calling vendors and having them come give us demos and tell us about their software. And we were really excited to have them show us how they did cutting tool management really well and how they did inspection planning really well. And they were like, no, we don't don't do any of that. (laughs) That's not what our software does. And we were like, wait a minute, but you're for job shops, right? Yeah. Yes, we're f- definitely for job shops, but we need to manage our cutting tools and our inspection and our work. And like, inst- don't you
2: think that's important to a job shop?
4: <laughs> yeah, this is crucial to our daily operation. Right. Yeah, but you can do that still on spreadsheets. Wow. And so we're like, this is nuts. And
0: we're not going to name any names here.
4: No, 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 names. no, 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 no. no. But pretty much all of them are the same. Quite are, are they still around that original? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. So we said, you know what? We're do-it-yourself kind of guys. We built cars. Why don't we just build some software to run our yeah. shop? Yeah, no big deal. (laughs) So, Kelsey had a good friend that was a developer, and we hired him to basically start building a system, which originally, you know, we basically just like cloned Kelsey's spreadsheets. Yeah. It's like, we need some web software, web-based...
2: Like, you connected them together and, you know, put them into a database. Kelsey, take me back to selling that job to your developer friend. What was that conversation like? It was actually a pretty funny story.
5: So. My sister's husband was a developer and okay. I was like, you know, I don't know very many developers. You're like, we're family.
2: You have to do this for me.
5: Yeah. You got to help me out here. And he was like, well, let's take a look at what you got. So we were looking at it together and he's like, yeah, this is really exciting. It actually fits right in with what I'm doing. He was working for the UN at the time. Oh, cool. Wow. And he's like, you know, this might be a little bigger project than I can like squeeze in in the next oh, year. At night. Yeah. Right. So he's <laughs> like, you know what? My nephew, he's like a young guy. He's just got a year of developer under his belt. He's really sharp. I think he's a great fit for you. He's like your age. He's hungry. He's definitely capable. Why don't I connect you two together? So we got together and it was like perfect. He was, talk about the brains of the operation. <laughs> Matt is amazing at understanding data structures and how it's all going to work together on the back end. And he's now our CTO. I was going to say, is he still with the company? Yeah, sure. 22 years later, we've been on this project together and he's been nailing it from day one. Right. So it was clear we started playing soccer together. We were hanging out, doing fun stuff together whenever we had time. And we were working together to understand what the needs of a machine shop were and how you could translate that into like usable software. You know, it was laughable. I mean, we can name a few names. Oracle was like, well, how many CPUs do you have? And I was like, why why does that matter? They were like, oh, because we charge you an extra fee per CPU that you're going to use. What What? are you talking about? I got machines all over the floor. (laughs) Like, Are you crazy? Anyway, this was back in the 2000s. And it was like, okay, that's going to cost us $190,000. Just for CPUs. Yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You said 20 CPUs, right? And I was like, okay, obviously, we're just having the wrong conversations here. Yeah. So anyway, it was clear that Matt had the vision. He was like, yeah, definitely web-based. I'm pretty sure this web thing is going to take off. This is going to be a real thing. That's awesome.
0: So is that the point at which you spun this off as a new company or were you still doing this all internally? Still? No,
5: this was all internal. I mean, if you'd seen version 1.0, it was not saleable. Yeah. Like We were not like, oh yeah, we're getting close, yeah. right? No, yeah, yeah. no. We were like, we've got so much to learn. Yeah. Let's keep working on it. And so, so we started engaging everyone on the shop as well, right? Yeah.
4: Okay. Yeah. So that keep in mind, so that was about three years in, right? And people remember back to the late 90s, it was a pretty good economic time. You know, mm-hmm. so it was
1: Y two K, right? Yeah, yeah. Things were started cranking at yeah. the end of the ninety nine. So
4: we were still very young, super naive, mm-hmm. building our shop up, starting to play with some software. And then we all know what happened about a year later, 9-11 happened, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we were heavily into aerospace because we were right in Boeing's backyard. Oh my God, that's right. The aerospace economy particularly just completely tanked. Of course. So that really affected
0: your job shop work? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like
4: our work dried up. It dried up. No one wanted
1: to fly, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was no flights. Oh yeah.
4: And so Boeing stops building planes and everyone's trying to figure out what's going on here. And we were super naive about business because we didn't study business. We had about a dozen friends working with us we didn't want to let those people go so we tried to hold on the longest that we could and you know realized a few months into it we are going to run out of money we're not going to be able to pay our bills and we're going to have to probably shut the doors because we don't have enough business to cover... what year
1: was this? 2001?
4: 2001, yeah. And and
0: how many people were working for the company? How many machines did you guys have at the time?
4: Yeah, I
5: mean, we had just actually moved. So we were actually down in Monroe originally. Monroe is kind of between Seattle and Bellingham. Uh um, And we had thought that was perfect, right? We were close enough to be Seattle and close enough to be in the Boeing vibe. right? And we had just moved in early 21. We'd moved up to Bellingham, opened up our brand new 10,000 square foot facility. We We were like, right. Our go karts around because there was so much space. Nice, it was really fun, yeah. But then, as this happened, we had at that point six CNCs and like 16 17 people on our team. So that's kind of where we were at at that point, running a couple shifts. But when that all changed and we started seriously hemorrhaging, yeah, on the cash flow side and really not wanting to. Let people go. Cause I kind of think They're of it. Family and, members. Absolutely. Yes. And and I think yes. about it and I think back and I think it was kind of like the most expensive MBA you could sign up for. Yeah. Is losing a whole bunch of money to learn some basic business philosophies. Yeah. But uh, we learned them. So what did you it do? It was really good. What
0: did you learn and what did
1: you do? Yeah, this is a pivotal point right now. You know,
5: Paul's right. I literally almost quit. There yeah. were days. And in fact, I was just talking with a client about this the other day. And they said, you know, did you have a moment when you just about quit? Like, what exactly happened when, you know, had that moment? And it was like, oh, yeah, there's always that one breaking moment where you just about gave it all up.
0: Yeah. Cause I remember like around that time, my dad decided, well, I've got enough equity. I've got enough money in my retirement. I'm just going to forego my. Paycheck. And that's sometimes the types of the decisions mm. that you have to make in order to get through
5: that. Honestly, we were past that. We were already Oh, not you had already done pay- that. Oh, we were all the way back to like, sorry, guys, there's no paychecks for the owners right yeah. now. Yeah. We were definitely already there. But before I jumped off that, I'm out, I went to my business partners. It was my brother, Paul, and one of our other business partners, four of us at the time. And I said, guys, I think I'm out because I just can't take the sorrow that's going on here right now. Yeah,
1: it's agonizing. It's gut-wrenching. Yeah.
5: And what happened and what turned out to be a pivotal moment, I think, in all of our relationships was we were there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I would not have made it through that if I'd been trying to do it all on my own. Right. For sure, I would have been out. Yeah. And instead, the four of us got back together again, met, talked, helped each other, and found a way through that piece into the next chapter of what turned out to be an amazing continuation. Yeah. yeah was that sure. like
0: a meeting that you had? Like just
5: boardroom, whiteboard, or bar and beers? <laughs> <laughs> it was like... I like the bar and beer
1: yeah. ones. Yeah. That's more It was more like my style.
5: multiple conversations. Yeah. Some of them all huddled around our own spreadsheets. Like, yeah. And then some of them just lying on our backs in the grass going, yeah. what the hell are we doing? Right yeah. now. And... Uh, yeah. Go yeah. to church and cry. <laughs> you know, There's all,
0: all types of ways to do
1: that.
5: <laughs> wow. But the main thing was that we were there doing it yeah. together and... It made such a huge difference in my life. That's so cool. That's that's awesome. awesome.
1: So now let's talk about the good stuff. All right. It got (laughs) better. It got (laughs) lots better. (laughs) So what did you do that got you
0: through? What got you over that hump or got you out of that valley?
4: We actually found a business advisor, fortunately for free, through the local college. Mm -hmm. And we realized we were over our heads, didn't know enough about it. And so... We brought in a guy named Tom. I still to this day give him credit for helping us make it through that time. Yeah. So we did have to lay a bunch of our friends go. Lay, yeah. lay them off. You did. Have yeah. To. We did. Oh, um, oh God. We hired pretty much most of them back. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, not that long after that when but we That's made it the through. worst
2: thing ever. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. And personally, for me, I was the sales guy, so I felt so yeah. responsible for not bringing in those no sales. Was, you
1: couldn't control it. How could you control it? Yeah. There's just nothing you can do. Yeah, yeah, but you think there is. You know, I know. I think know
4: someone's
2: getting work. You but, know, every shop isn't shutting down all at once, and you know, you start thinking, "Is it my approach? Is it how I act in yeah. front of a cut?" You just start really getting inside. Oh yeah, because I, you know, sales is like where everything starts. Yeah. 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 You know, that's right. how you get it's, blood into the, a, the pipeline, right? And Nick? I'm a perfectionist, yeah. and I'm yeah. super
4: hard on myself. Yes, if I'm me not too. Meeting me my too. own expectations. Yeah, so
2: I feel what you're saying right now, because when we ever have to lay people off, it's rare. But when we do. You take it personal when you're the sales guy.
4: Absolutely. I
0: I remember during that time, I wasn't a sales guy and that wasn't my MO, but that was the moment where I said, I'm going to take a sales role and I'm going to control this destiny of mine to the best of my ability by becoming that salesperson, you know, because I needed to take control of it. I needed to say, I'm going to go out there and get the clients after this recession dried a lot of them out.
4: So we went through some major learning curve for several months with Tom coaching us about our finances and what we need Mm -hmm. to do. Reinforced really for the first time ever, just the importance of being a really sales driven organization. Yeah. Really leaning into marketing, leaning into our website, SEO, beating the streets, knocking on doors, making connections, networking. And we did that and it worked. We started getting some new business and new contracts. We were able to hire our friends back, hire more people. Nice. And then it. Started getting kind of crazy and hectic again. So we leaned into building software to help organize our schedule and our quoting and all the things that we had started with Matt the year before.
2: Yeah, it's one thing to fix the top line, but then at the end of the day, you got to yeah. make a profit. So, yeah. Yeah. so all we, your processes have to be solid. Super efficient. Yeah. Super
4: efficient. And then we just kind of, things really started to take off for us. In 2004, we got ISO certified and we built all the modules to manage that in ProShop. In 2006, we got AS9100 certified. Well,
0: modules or are they still spreadsheets at the time
4: when we decided to go for iso no immediately we're like we're going to build software to manage the qms okay
0: it was part of yeah it was part of this new program
4: yeah. And the sort of the AS consultant we were using, she was pretty incredulous that we would actually just go ahead and do that and quickly enough have it ready to actually work. Yeah. But again, Matt's the guru. He busted it out and we had all these modules for yeah. quality management and NCRs and corrective actions. And and it was so important for us to make sure those processes were super lean and efficient. So we didn't have to just hire a bunch of people to fill out paperwork and spreadsheets. So it allowed us to continue. I always say that ProShop was like the backbone of our growth. There were times where we were growing 100% per year, right, just absolutely skyrocketing. But we were just still plugging away, not intending to do anything except grow our shop. And then in 2008, our biggest machine shop customer, who was an aerospace OEM down in the Seattle area, their production manager needed some extra hours, and he actually came up and worked for us on the weekends. And he would do setups and help us make parts. And he started using our software to, oh, you know, because okay. he's at that, it was paperless. He's there at the machine, right. getting his setup instructions out of the system. And he's like, This is awesome software. Where'd you guys buy it? I want to buy it at our shop. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, Well, I actually built it. They actually approached us and said, We'd like you to sell us your software. And we yeah. said, It's not for sale. We're just a machine shop. Yeah. But he said, Well, if you ever change your mind, let us know. And so, we talked about it and decided, yep, let's give it a try. So This might
2: be just as exciting as a custom car. Yes,
4: <laughs> exactly.
5: <laughs> funny part about that was, well, maybe not so funny, 2008, early 2009, that was not a great time. No, it was 2008, Two thousand nine. That was another recession. The worst. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: was it the housing <laughs> recession? Yeah. 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 Well, that started Major,
5: it. Yeah. We were a lot smarter by then. We learned a lot from our business yeah. uh, consulting Sometimes with Sometimes when
0: you go through a hard time, it helps you to get through the next Absolutely. one or two,
5: you know? But the funny story here is that we were talking about it and we're like, we're not really a software company at all. And we were looking and we're like, well, it would be like a little bit of money. Like that would be good. That would help us out. right? So the funny part is we're like, well, yeah, it would be a little money and we already do it for ourselves. Yeah. We could just put another one in with them, right? Yeah. Ha ha. Yeah. That was a joke. It was a ton of work to launch our first client. A ton. Way more than we ever got for actually. Right. Right. Just the onboarding
1: process or what? What was the roadblock? You probably learned
5: a ton though, too. We did data management, just like they oh. had a whole system that they wanted to bring into Pro Shop, And we were like, damn, we've always started this from scratch. Yeah, you were like, oh.
0: it together yeah. and like no, no we got to bring in oh. all this
5: stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's sucks. Huge project. Yep. But it turned out that the next story, the next part of it was absolutely fabulous. Yeah,
4: yeah within three or four months, it had completely revolutionized their shop. They were about a 35-person shop. They were processing about 8,000 work orders a year at that point. They had two full time expediters just running around trying to you know figure out what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, good jobs (laughs) to be not late. And they freed up three overhead staff members very quickly to work on more value added positions than doing expediting. So it was so effective for them. And they outsourced a lot of machining work to lots of other machine shops in the area. And they said, Hey, you know what? This is so great. It's helping us be on time with our customers could we introduce you to some of our other vendors because they're not very good on on-time delivery for us and we wow. want you to help them. Yeah. And we were like, do you mean our competitors? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's who we're talking about. Yeah. And like, all right, we'll give it a shot. So we did it a couple more times also with just incredible results. And it was through that period of time that it just gave us the confidence that like, I think we're really onto something guys. Like yeah. if we can have this big of an impact on these shops, what can we do for the greater industry? So yeah. we started making plans to sell our shop and go full-time into the software business. That's awesome. Wow.
2: Well, and not your competitors anymore.
4: No, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> we have really different good. competitors now. Yeah. But,
2: Some of them are a little bigger, like, uh, a lot. <laughs> like the big yes. ERP giants that you just Indeed. came up against Indeed. as
4: the David that you were. Yeah. That's cool. So we sold the shop. At the time we sold it, we were about 75 people. We had a little over 30 CNC machines and about a... Th- 30,000 square foot building running three shifts. We were obviously I mentioned ISO and AS. What year was that, Paul? That was in 2014. So out of those
2: 75, how many were part of the transition from Pro CNC the machine shop to Pro Shop?
4: 4. 4. Just yep. the four. So, so, so the, the yeah. original the, the owners,
1: the original partners original of Pro partners. CNC. Yeah. And and some of those guys did not want to pull through. By that point, the six went
0: to four.
4: Yeah, three of the original guys had kind of moved on to other yeah. things. Okay, got, got, got the it.
0: CTO in as a partner.
4: Yep. And Matt came along with us. Got it.
0: And so that gave you the cash in order to get
4: working on ProShop. Yeah, we all put in you know a little bit of money each yeah. from the sale of the business. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the only funding we ever had. I like to say we had four employees and four customers.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> that works. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. one of
4: each should just kind of, you know, play, play one-on-one. I, I feel like
0: with how multifaceted the manufacturing industry is, there's a lot of these opportunities. Like, obviously, not everybody's going to develop software. That's a real stretch. But so many manufacturers, it's like, I'm using a lot of castings. Why don't I start a company or I do a lot of coding why don't mm. I start yeah. a company yeah. and I feel like there's a lot of opportunity out there like that that people could take advantage of if you're smart about it sometimes you got to find that balance between getting distracted from your main oh yeah mission and doing that but there's definitely something to think about there sure. yeah
4: well we run across plenty of shops that have built their own software that mm-hmm. have little custom ERP systems okay yeah. and then they get reliant on one developer yeah uh, who maybe decides he doesn't want to do that anymore or retires and or gets hit it. by a bus and yeah. they're just really at risk yeah you know but it's funny so we advise people not to do that even though that's exactly what we did
0: yeah well i <laughs> talked to somebody <laughs> last night who has that exact situation and i was like well you got to talk to pro shop and he's like i have so <laughs> yeah
4: yeah so four customers four of us and we just started trying to figure out this whole new business that yeah. we knew nothing about just like our shop 17 years earlier it's amazing wow.
1: So let's fast forward to today and let's really talk about the success of Pro Shop and how you just probably never realized that
4: you'd be at this level. No, we had no idea. We thought we might have a nice little lifestyle business for a very niche. Yeah. Doing some installations here and there. and (laughs) turns out that a lot of shops, pretty much all of them, have the same problems that we had ourselves. No kidding. And they still do. Like It's amazingly common. And that's such a small niche, the job shop
2: market. For, Not so small. Yeah. Yeah. What was the stat we said on stage the other day, guys? Like 90 something percent of all manufacturing is 20 employees or less. Or yeah. something I can't remember what it was, but yeah. something like that. Yeah.
4: You know, and, and that's we ex- probably your sweet spot, right? No, actually no, our sweet bigger, spot is yeah. bigger. It's I mean, a little bit bigger? Yeah. Okay. Probably a hundred person shop. would oh, be oh, kind really? Of like yeah. perfect for us. Okay. Because Which are really good at the w- twenty. Oh yeah, we absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we have a couple of one man shops that absolutely are crazy about Pro Shop. Oh wow, sure. that's great. Yeah. Hey,
1: Jim, you've got what fifteen? 50, about
2: yeah, fifteen employees, and right. you love and it.
3: And it. it's
1: been amazing. I'm not going to lie. You know, I've yeah. told you that many times. Yeah. But what are the metrics? So, how many seats have you sold? How many? You probably have a user number like this is humble brag
2: time.
4: You know, yeah, you told it is. us about it's the okay. horror story, but yeah, now it's humble brag time. So yeah, we've gone from about four customers to over 400 400. Um, in the last six years. And our team is now, we just hired three more people on Monday. Uh, So we're about 65 or so people. You're like this IMTS thing.
2: If it goes the way we think it could, we need need, (laughs) need another We need you three and three of your friends each. (laughs) So (laughs) you were in
4: Australia? Yeah, we're just starting a company in Australia next month. That's just
0: a pro shop division
4: that's doing the
2: same thing. Pro shop down under. Yeah, (laughs) Pro shop down (laughs) under.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's a fun story. We now have about 25 customers there. And so we just really need a local presence. That's so cool. But customer number seven that we picked up in 2017 was in Australia.
0: Yeah. And you probably go to him and say, well, it's going to be different. (laughs) And (laughs) so like, keep that in mind, but you can try it. (laughs) But now you're really committed to it.
4: Yeah. But the main gentleman that was our main contact, several years later, he decided he wanted to move on from the business and we hired him. And so now he's our first employee down there. That's That's so uh, cool. Yeah. That's so cool. That's fantastic. Such
2: a such an awesome story. So yeah, it's very inspiring. I have to tell a really quick one kind of to like help close this up because I know we're getting close to time. But my dad took me and, and all the third gen out and said, Hey, what do you guys want this company to be when it grows up? That's what he always says as a joke. And we always used to have kind of a number in mind. This is the first time I said I don't, I, it has nothing to do with the number. It's the people who I'm shoulder to shoulder with when we go through moments like what you guys described, where you're just head and hands, literally need a shoulder to cry on, to actually cry on. right? And then the same people, when you have that unbelievable moment, when you've like, for you guys, when you launch into Australia, you're on a new continent and Mm. and you're hiring that 100th employee or whatever it is to celebrate with. And and I'm like, so it's more about just surrounding myself with people where you don't feel like you're dragging them up a hill and then you let go and then you got to go back and pick them up again but they're the one pushing you and and sometimes you're pushing them from behind and that's really what i got out of this story when when you guys were talking about those tough moments when you had to go to your brother not your actual brother but you had to go yeah. to your brother and say i don't think i can do this anymore it's too taxing yeah. on me and then to hear where you've come it's just like we're gonna that's do, what i want we're gonna do this together yeah that's yeah. that's really what i want in yep. my career is just surround myself with people. It's like, no matter how good it's going or how bad it's going, we're doing this together as yep. you know, kind of a family. Absolutely. So, And I notice that when I think about that,
5: I think, yeah, that's often your friends. Those are the yeah. people you're hanging out with. But yeah. I think the difference when you're talking about business is that you have this really shared purpose. Yeah. You want to make a difference. So mm. it's not yeah. just the same as hanging out with your buddies. I mean, yeah, it's right. also that because you yeah. want to be in that as part of your yeah, life. Yeah, but your but livelihood
2: but, depends. It's more yeah. like going to war. Like, yeah. you know,
5: <laughs> hopefully not war, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah. going to bat, right? Right. Like, we're trying to make a difference here. Yeah. This is something that's important to the world. I mean, our clients are mostly long term, durable, useful goods manufacturers. Who the heck else do you want to help in the world right. except people who are making that stuff? Exactly. You're right, Kelsey. Yeah, amen to that. My,
0: my wife always, like, repeatedly, she's had this conversation with me. She's like, why don't you have any friends out? Or no, she doesn't say, what are you having friends outside of business? She's like, why are most of your friends business related? I'm like, because those are the people that I'm on a mission with every day. Those are the people that I can yeah, talk exactly. to about like yes. everything. We have so much in common and it's just easy. And like, That's who you want to hang out with. Absolutely. And go to war with,
5: as, as you said, you know? So. Yeah. And I think you get that extra pumped feeling. Yeah. It's one thing to be, you know, having some beers and hanging out on your tailgate, but it's another to be like, We just got that done. Yes, together. You're right. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: What an inspiring story, guys. This has been great, guys. Thank you for sharing the story. And Kelsey, thank you for being on making chips. We love it. So maybe another time it'll happen. Next time, Paul says he wants to be on. We'll be like, no, we want Kelsey instead. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
4: definitely like to shine the light on Kelsey here. So appreciate you guys coming to our booth. Yeah, and uh, hanging out with us. You bet.
2: Paul, you've done this a few times. Can you close us out? Do you know what we say at the end? If you're not making chips, you're not making money. bam. Bam.
3: Your manufacturing challenges have a solution, and many of them are at makingchips.com.